Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hola, hola. My name is Ricardo. I am the host of the Lucha Jovers podcast here in the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. We are a Spanish-speaking show dedicated to discussing and analyzing pro wrestling from all across the world. From AW to CMLL, we talk about American wrestling, Japanese wrestling, and of course, Lucha Libre. If something big happened in the pro wrestling world, we will talk about it. So if you know Spanish or have a friend that knows Spanish or want to practice your Lucha Libre pronunciations, go listen to the Lucha Jovers podcast right here in the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Nos vemos por ahí. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. To the highway, in a brand new day, gotta let it go. Fast to Welcome back to Open the Voice Gate for November 10th, 2022. We are members of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. You can find our podcast on the Voices of Wrestling Network feed or our own podcast feed on all podcast platforms, applications. Just search for Open the Voice Gate. If you'd like to follow us on Twitter, go to at Open Voice Gate. If you would like to donate to the show, click the link in the show notes. It'll take you to our redcircle.com landing page. You click the red box that says sponsor this podcast and you can set up a one-time or reoccurring donation. No obligation whatsoever, but we would like to thank all our previous owners. I'm one of your hosts. It's your old pal, Mike Spears, joined alongside your other co-hosts, uh, Case Slow. And Case, it's only been 48 hours. Actually, it's been longer than 48 hours. I, uh, for some reason, I thought it, that we recorded on Tuesday this week. It, we're back and recording two shows a week for the first time in a couple of years. And it, it, it feels weird, but also there's a bit of familiarity to this. Oh, I mean, I'm excited to talk to you again. I, I have a lot of stuff on my mind, some Dragon Gate related, some not. We'll kick off with one of the not categories. Have you had the Christmas flavored Christmas edition Christmas gimmick Mountain Dew flavored fruit quake yet? I just saw this today and I was going to bring this up to you on air too. So no, I haven't. It's like the uh, fruit. It, it's fruitcake flavored this year, right? Yes. I, I, we were very different in our opinions of the gingerbread one, but this fruit quake thing, I don't know. I could see this working, actually. Look, a as loyal listeners know, the Mountain Dew gingerbread flavor, gingerbread snapped, and the 
upper pantheon of drinks I've ever consumed in my entire life. I was re- legitimately thinking earlier this week, God, that drink brought me so much happiness. I really liked that and had so much of it stockpiled. I was drinking it through like March of this year. I, it, it extended well beyond the Christmas season for me. <laughs> and now it's it's gone. And it's a shame. It's a little bit like the NBA City Edition jerseys, which, which came out today, where I, I understand wanting to cycle through something new every year from a consumerism standpoint, but every once in a while you hit on something so legendary that it shouldn't be replaced. And I feel that way about the black Phoenix Suns jerseys that said the Valley across the chest. And I feel that about the Mountain Dew gingerbread drink. I will hold off on giving my opinion until you've had uh, your shot at the fruit quake. So we can compare and contrast because I have some thoughts on it. It, it, it's something where I feel like that we have to, whenever we discuss this gingerbread snap atrocity, we have to make it clear that that Case's view about it being the perfect soda is not the one that's held by the entire show. The most perfect soda, of course, is Cranberry Sierra Mist, which used to be one of those holiday flavors. Well, I, it's funny you say that because I've been hitting the Cranberry Sprite pretty hard uh, this holiday season already. You just gotta treat yourself. Get a little bit of tartness in it with it. That's but. I'm I'm feeling good. Things you know, listeners of the show know that my personal life I go through, I go through ups and downs, but right now I am on the up. I am feeling very very good. I'm excited about things both personally and in the context of this podcast professionally when it comes to Drangate. I, I look, I'm not above drinking a cranberry sprite a few times a week at this point. I I. I you see, usually I would save the cranberry serum mist if I was like down and be like, oh yeah, I have that little drink there. You do the exact opposite. If you're if you're happy, you want to have more at the beverage. Yeah, and I'm a Sprite loyalist. Not that I will not have a 7-Up. I actually had a 7-Up earlier this week and it was great. It really hit the spot. Uh, nothing wrong with a 7-Up, nothing wrong with a serum mist, but I'm a Sprite guy through and through. In college, I was known as the Sprite guy. I would show up to parties with a backpack full of Sprite, something for me to drink, and something as the night progressed that people need to take it a little bit easier after hitting it hard. They go, hey, you got one of those Sprites left? You better believe I do. Pop up my backpack. I gotcha. So Sprite has been with me along the way. The cranberry Sprite is terrific. The original flavor is terrific. I'm sipping on one as we speak, and I'm ready to talk about some Dragon Gate, Mike. Yeah, so let's get into it. So on this episode of the program, we'll talk about yesterday's November 9th Cork and Hall show with a lot of stuff happening, headlined by that three-way six-man tag. We will preview tomorrow's uh, Global Dream Show presented by Russell Universe. This was the Dragon Gate uh, uh, crossover show with Noah that we'll, we'll, I, I feel like our thoughts are pretty well known and on the whole about this, but there's other things about this show that We'll preview and talk about what's going to be happening tomorrow on Russell Universe. In case we we, we decided to put together a little bit of game to close out this week. Uh, it, it was I, I I forget which was the place that announced it. it might have actually been the Observer, but it was uh, it was the uh, the flagship Patreon account. My oh, friend. I apologize. I that that's an egregious error. Hey, Rich and Joe, let the record show. Yeah, five dollars yep. subscriber right here. I knew exactly where this news came uh, from. Oh, I the thing is that there's been whenever there's Dragon Gate stuff that pops up, I already assume that. Dave messed something up, so that <laughs> so, so that's where my, where my thought process was there. But on the flagship wrestling podcast uh, Patreon this week, they announced that uh, Dragon Gate and Noah both are looking to do joint shows over WrestleMania weekend. Uh, we we we're, we put together our own shows. Case for a while, we've talked about that we should be the ones booking 
these shows. And guess what? We stepped up to the plate. We have our five match cards that we'll talk about to close out this week's episode. Yes, and if you're an American promoter that has access to Dragon Gate wrestlers and you think, huh, I don't know a lot about these guys. Who should I book them against? In all seriousness, our DMs are open. We would be more than happy to help you. I have done it for indie companies while uh, certain guys are in America, and the reviews have been quite good. So trust our judgment on this. I'm more than happy to walk anybody through uh, any Dragon Gate questions that they might have. And uh, like Mike said, we'll talk about that Noah show that by the time everybody hears this, that show will have happened already. You and I have both given big picture thoughts on it. I'm actually, there's some stuff on this card that I want to go kind of in depth on, and then we'll once again explain for anybody that might have missed it, why we're annoyed at this show. And I think for you and I, it's various reasons, but up front, you know, neither of us are super excited for this show. Thank you uh, to Gerard Detroilio on VoicesOfWrestling.com. He will be doing the written review, so I do not have to because I really did not have interest in doing that. But before we get to all of that fun stuff, let's talk about this Gate of Evolution Cork and Hall show. That's right, Gate of Evolution from Cork, and it was yesterday. It'll be up on the network until the 16th. Attendance still rising with the Yuki Oshioka up top, 1178 case. They're getting, I was actually a little bit surprised here because, to my knowledge, the current, uh, the, the, there still has to be a uh, distant section if you are doing clap crowds, but I believe that the current max for Cork and Hall is in the like 15 something or other, like 1580. This was almost to a point where I was a little bit surprised they did not declare no vacancy for this, given that. Yeah, so I don't know what the exact capacity is either at this point. If you look throughout Drangate this year, other than the Kness retirement show on April 7th, which everybody expected to sell as many tickets as they possibly could for that, and they did, that show did 1410. This is the best attendance in Corkin Hall for Drangate this year. If you look at the numbers, uh, while y- Yuki Yoshioka has been champion, they went 1056 in August to 1096 in September, 1105 last month, and 1178 this month. To compare that to another promotion that feels very hot in Tokyo right now, Stardom is coming off of the IWGP Women's Tournament show where they did 10-11. And then I'm going to go backwards four shows here. Uh, I Actually, I'm, I'm sorry. I'll, I'll go from August to September. Uh, they ran two Cork and Hall shows in August, one of which they did 15-28 and the other did 15-11. To my knowledge... That is the most people that have been inside Corican Hall since the start of the pandemic. Maybe there's a New Japan show or two that beat it. There are, fi- yeah, there there are a couple, but it's, but it's New Japan and then the uh, joint 50th anniversary. Show That's right. Corican okay. But yeah. Fi- those 15. Said, those at 15.88. I want to say off top. And I I can't imagine at this point with the regulations that are still in place, I can't imagine you could put more than 15.88 in the in Corican. So that is a great number. Yeah. So it, it's something that just big picture. Uh, with Yoshioka, it's been interesting to see that climb. And also going big picture case, I know your review went live like about an hour or two ago at VoicesOfWrestling.com. Uh, big takeaways from this month's uh, Corkin show. Well, real, real quick on the stardom attendance front. So they did 1528 and 1511 in August for their two shows. September, they did 781, so quite a big dip there, almost a 1,000 fan dip. And then 1207. And then this most recent show on October 22nd, they did 1,011 fans. So Drangate edges them out this month. Uh, both promotions 
feel very hot in Tokyo. And that is coming from me, somebody who watches Dragon Gate and does not watch any of Stardom, but both feel like they have some momentum in Tokyo right now. Uh, the Noah show that happened the day we're recording, that did 789 with a Timothy Thatcher GHC title match on top. And that is the most fans that Noah has had in Cork in this year. DDT are fluctuating anywhere from about 400 to 800 fans in Tokyo. And unfortunately for me, my favorite topic in wrestling this year has been all Japan's Cork and Hall attendance numbers, and they have not run Cork and Hall in a month now. And I'm very sad about that. You know, it, it's something that maybe after the, the, the Suwama shock, they needed to give that building a little bit of a break. I'm fully expecting them to do 1500 next time they come back to that building. And it's going to be on like a, <laughs> and it's going to be on like a six man tag main event. It's not going to be Miyahara versus somebody. It's just going to be some shitty six man that I have no desire to watch. And it's going to do a huge number. That yeah. has been the story of all Japan and Cork and hall this year. I legitimately think it's a story that is not talked about enough. Really since the second quarter of the year, 800 900 i don't remember i think they've cracked a thousand fans a time they or have. two yeah I, and i've still i've i've got to deal with the pro wrestling noah hive mind talking about how they're the number two promotion in japan when all japan is killing them in the tokyo area yeah and, and it's something that like and, and and it's something that like when you talk about cork and hall like you, you I don't think, and it's one of those things that I know we've talked about here a couple times. A couple of promotions are going to, have to make decisions about strategies in Cork and Hall, and All Japan, I I feel like has moved itself in the boat with Dragon Gate. Weirdly, that it's just like it's just you're you're, you're a company that like do you want to give up 300 tickets worth of seats? And I think that you're going to see like with Stardom that they can eat it if they wanted to because of Bushi Road, but the, it's going to be interesting for all Japan, I think, because they, they're, it's different kind of circumstances, but I feel like that they're kind of in a similar position as Dragon Gate in this building at this point. Well, the risk of sounding stupid, just to confirm, all Japan doesn't have a major corporate backer, at least publicly, that we're aware of, right? Yeah, to my, I, I mean, if it's a company that's behind them, it's not to the scale of this. Like, like I believe it is a single person who owns it now. I need to, I, I will look this up right now. But uh, it, it, it is something at a different scale that would not be. It's it's uh, Suyoki Fukuda who is the owner of All Japan. So, I'm sorry, I'm sorry to derail us so early on All Japan <laughs> talk, but I'm looking at. Evian 2 numbers right now. And Drangate last ran there September 4th. It was Daya and Kakuta versus Ben and Yamato in the main event. They did 597, and we all walked away from that show going like, damn, that was a great number. Uh, that's, you know, obviously lower than what they were doing in Osaka with no attendance capacities, but that's up compared to what they've been doing throughout the pandemic. I am going to phrase this as saying all Japan claimed, and this could be uh, people in the building. This could be tickets sold. I don't know, but they did six eighty nine in Edeon two on October twenty third, and that was Kono and Sawama versus Ryuki Honda and Shotaro Ashino in the main event. We'll, we'll look down the card see if there's uh, did uh, oh. Zeus. Yeah, no, well, no, 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 not not Zeus. But you know, 
You know who's on the show that is a reliable draw? It's not Zeus. It's not Bodyguard. It's the goddamn Stronghearts. No Shima, yeah. but Lindemann, T-Hawk, Irie, and, uh, and uh, Yamamura's friend in an eight-man tag. Uh, Bodyguard is on this show. Look at Mike. Listen to this match. This is, this is like 90 minutes into the show. We normally do this, but six-man tag, third from the top. Shuji Ishikawa, Takao Mori, and the Bodyguard versus Kento Miyahara, Rising Hayato, and Oji Shiba. Good for Oji. Good for Oji. Okay, all right. This is making a little bit more sense. Uh, Yuji Nagata's on this show. Yeah. The, the Strong Hearts are on this show. And it's a title match that, by the way, has a 3.83 score on cage match in the main event. Uh, and if I look back, I want to see if they ran this building at all earlier this year, just because... I'm curious. So they did a champion carnival show here on April 9th and that did 5:30, which feels a little high. But that 697 makes more sense in context now. I was I was starting to think like god, we're all really underrating all Japan's business right now, but that just seemed like a particularly hot show with Nagata and Strong Hearts at a big t- title match main event. Hey, sometimes you got to take off the kid gloves when you talk about all Japan. I, I have zero interest in this promotion. I mean, this show, other, th- <laughs> other than that six-man tag, which is fun from like a, I want to watch Oji Shiba A, team with Miyahara, and B, wrestle Shuji Ishikawa. Like, this show looks horrible. I have no interest in any of this, but they are a promotion that is regularly drawing a decent house wherever they go. Yeah, and it's something that, I mean... To my knowledge, All Japan still has a traditional touring thing. So one of the things that helps out Dragon Gate is that they get to do these shows. Like they did an advertisement for a sold show uh, in the middle of this. Like you do these things that, you know, put money in your coffers. And it's the same thing with All Japan. All Japan still does that stuff too. Like they still tour and do like the uh, the, the sold shows. So I'm not surprised. Yeah. Um, that is our that is our attendance roundup. I don't have any more thoughts on this. I think I'm finally ready to talk about Cork and Hall. All right, so big picture, I really enjoyed this cork, and this was kind of what I was expecting out of this cork, and it it achieved all my expectations. Some stuff overachieved in a way. What were your big takeaways? Yes, I was delightfully surprised by one match. There, there's one match on the show that we'll get to that I thought was way better than it was going to be, and I, I was really into that as a result. If you look at my re- written review on VoicesOfWrestling.com, that middle section of the show is you know, two and a half, two and three quarters, two and a half. But at no point did I feel like this show dragged. At no point did I feel like this was a bad show. It's one of those on paper where everything that looked like it was going to be good was. And the stuff that didn't look that enticing, obviously was not super enticing, but it didn't overstay its welcome. So overall, this was a pretty solid show. Yeah, and it was something that uh, three hours and 30 minutes, like I feel like this actually felt like a longer show than Gate of Destiny, but not in a bad way, but the way that these Corkins, as we've talked about, as they've gotten further away from the OWEs, but they've become to resemble more and more Corkins that you've seen at Torimon era, where it's just a lot of stuff, maybe one or two matches get real time, but no one's overstaying their welcome, and a lot of stuff's happening in between matches, and it, it definitely, at least to me, felt like a longer show than Gate of Destiny, even though I think that Gate of Destiny still probably had more a longer runtime. Yeah, only two matches on the show that eclipsed the 10-minute mark, that being the semi-main and the main event. But 
if you look at the match times here, 909 in the opener, 857 match number two, 835 match number three, 834 match number five, and 942 match number six. This is a show where, oddly enough, the, the singles match between Fuji and Mochizuki Jr., that was the shortest match on the show, and that was one where that probably could have gone eight or nine minutes. I would have been very okay with that, but the, the tags that floated right around the 10-minute mark, uh, none of them bothered me. Yeah, and it's something that it, there is a propensity to that. I, I think that sometimes it maybe helps that they break them all up into different matches, you know? So you don't have to... It's not like the house shows where it's like, okay, we need to go 15 minutes anyways. So like you you, you have nine matches on this show. You have to keep things moving. Which I, I think, think I think last month was six, and then but that was with the gauntlet match. This right. month was nine, and you know it was it was a show that felt like nine matches, but not bad by any means. Not at all. And it started off not with a future match, but with an exhibition as Yoshiki Kato took on Punch Tomonaga. Like the future matches, the, these matches go to a time limit, and this time it went to a time limit. However, for at least the first time in memory a rookie has scored a fall in an exhibition match yoshiki kato at the three minute mark got punched tomonaga up in a wrist clutch torture rack submitted him and looked like he was going to try to rack up the uh he was gonna see how many more falls he could do before the end of it but in the post-match uh gm rio saito came out announced that kato the last member of the class of 2022 will debut in corkin on december 6th after the fact, I think this was announced this morning, uh, it was announced that his opponent in his uh, debut official match will be Madoka Kakuta on December 6th. So Kato is someone who's been around for a long time, Case. And it was something that I felt like that he was one of the few people that kind of stuck out when they were doing the matches because of how much bigger he was than anyone else. And he's gotten even bigger since then. Well, and part of that is he's 25 years old, and he's been in a class with 18 and 19 and 20-year-olds for the most part. So his body is just a little bit more filled out than the average Rangate trainee. But then on top of that, he's also just a bigger human, especially for what Rangate normally recruits. I, this match seemed to generate some buzz. I mean, I had a lot of people asking me questions about Kato right after or, – or, uh, it's Kato or Kato? Kato. Kato, that's what I thought. I typed it wrong in my notes. Uh, I had a lot of people ask me about Kato right after this happened because Jay on commentary was stunned. I mean, you, this is the man that has watched everything that there's ever been that's made tape, and he was saying he's never seen a fall in an exhibition match before, and I certainly have never. And Mike, I'm assuming you can't recall a time where there's been a fall in an exhibition match. Yeah, no, it's just something that... Normally, the, if it's an exhibition match, you, you, you're just disposed to expect it to go five minutes. And, you know, there will, there might be a couple near falls towards the end of when like, they're doing like a 30 seconds call. But you don't expect a fall with these kind of things. If, if, if they wanted to have people expect falls, they would just call this match zero. And for it to not be, you know, a schoolboy or an inside cradle or something nefarious, for lack of a better term, he used a torture rack to get the win, and that that is what raised my eyebrows. Not even necessarily him scoring the fall, but the way that he scored that fall, I went, oh, this is this is going to be something. And, you know, you and I were talking off the air today. Kato's going to be the 13th 
Dragon Gate debut, Dragon Gate trainee that's going to debut since the start of the pandemic. Now, you can wind that clock back three months to December of 2019 and include SB Kento and Jackie Funky Kamei on that list. But for the sake of this, pandemic training onwards, Madoka Kakuta, Sora Fujikawa, La Estrella, Riki Hashi, Ishinihashi, Takumi Hayakawa, Takuma Fujiwara, Ria Fuda, Shoya Sato, Mochizuki Jr., uh, Nagano, Nishikawa, and now Kato. 13 trainees since the start of the pandemic. Obviously, Fujikawa, Ricky, and Sato are gone. But that is that is an insane level of output for your dojo to have. Yeah, and it's something that I think that with how Dragon Gate has been run, one would expect it to be like a lot of people kind of in Kaito Nagano's mold, right? Like you'd expect it to be smaller guys who are slight that are hoping to be flyers. Like, I mean, that's always been the rep about Dragon System is that they just run around and fly and don't do anything else. But you you look at these 13 guys and what a disparity. I, I, I mean, that like in a good way, like you look at from your Minoritas all the way to your Madoka Kakuta and body types. You look at wrestling styles, you look at this. And I think like other than like the sheer output, the thing that's remarkable is just how varied the the, the debutees have been since the pandemic started. Because like everyone, that there's no one out of that group of 13 Maybe uh, because it was so early with Ricky and Shoya Sato, you can't necessarily say, but it, no one felt like that they were samey out of this group so far. No, you're exactly right. And the thing that intrigues me, you know, you and I talk about some subtle changes that have happened in Dragon Gate this year, one of them being the structure of Cork and Hall feeling more and more like a Torimon show than a 2014-2015 Dragon Gate show. I think another thing that's really interesting is we're once again starting to see rookies debut with some impact. And that doesn't mean they're winning right away. That doesn't even mean that they're debuting with some extraordinary gimmick. But there is something that I find very intriguing about this specific class, this future number two, with Mochizuki Jr., Nishikawa, and now Kato, because we obviously saw him. I mean, Mochizuki Jr. was in the main event of his first show. He debuted in the main event of the Torimon reunion show. Nagano's there, but Nagano is following that more traditional path. Now you have Kato, who scores a fall in an exhibition match. I am assuming he will lose to Kakuta, but anything is possible after a debut like this. But nevertheless, that is a rookie that is once again debuting with a bit of a thud. There's some emphasis there. He's not just a kid from the dojo. He's a kid from the dojo that has a story attached to him already. And, and then there's go ahead. I was going to say just add on to that for a second. And the this he's landing with a thud and he doesn't have the things that make it a thud like how the Hashis were the first thoroughbreds, Mochizuki Jr., the son of Misaki Mochizuki. Like literally like we're learning stuff about this guy as this is happening like 25 years old, former police officer, was a javelin thrower in school. Like that's all we know about this guy, but he's already made it and indelible impact and i was afraid last week when we talked about him that he might have left the company because there was a gap in between when the rest of his classmates debuted and when he debuted and given that he was in that weird limbo of you know the future class had ended but he hadn't debuted 
I thought there was a chance that we just might not ever hear his name again, but here he is in this exhibition match. Again, he's going to debut with a thud, and I, I, I will emphasize this so strongly. Do not sleep on Takuma Nishikawa. The fact that they sent him to Mexico to debut, and then he's going to come to Japan, that is a guy that I have my eyeballs on. When he comes to Japan, and I feel this way about Fujiwara, I feel this way about SB Kento, I don't really feel this way about Estrella, but I feel this way about Nishikawa. These are guys that are going to come back, and they are going to make an immediate impact. Something I was thinking about earlier this week, would it surprise you if when we get the eventual Takuma Nishikawa Japanese landing that is in 2024 and that he spends the entire next year in Mexico with, I, I don't know anything about him. I haven't heard anything, but would that shock you if he is gone for that long? No. And I think that's probably what to expect. The more I, the more I'm wrapping my head around it just because of how differently he's been handled makes me think he, that you send him there, he does the debut, and then, for all intents and purposes, forget about him until he shows back up. He's a big guy. He's a handsome guy. Supposedly, he can do some flying. I'm telling you guys, Takuma Nishikawa is so you don't you just know the name. His Mexico work has been very intriguing to say the least. I certainly see some potential there. When he comes to Japan, that is going to be a guy that we are going to be talking a lot about. Yeah, no, it's going to be interesting with him for sure. The opener of the show was Natural Vibes versus Zebrats. It was UT, Jason Lee, and Strong Machine J for Natural Vibes versus Kai, Hyo, and Ishin for Zebrats. The newest member of Zebrats, Ishin, scored the fall with the death penalty submission. That's what he is calling the Alcatraz. Locked on Jason Lee. I think this was a really strong debut for Ishin as a heel uh, outside of the Gate of Destiny turn. I like the presentation of it. I, I think Ishin being a little dead behind the eyes is interesting. Just given how much he was able to fire up an emote as a babyface, this seems like it's going in the opposite direction. But I still think it's a positive change. I, I like this combination of Zebrats guys, you know, Hyo, Ishin, and Kai. That's a that's a pretty brutal heel trio for a Drangate match, and I'm excited to see specifically that trio to see if they team more going forward so they can throw their weight around a little bit because Hyo can talk shit, and then Kai and Ishin can clean up his mess, and I think that's an interesting combination of guys. Yeah, Ishin's really going to add something to this group that they've really needed for since its founding, really. I mean, it, it was such a lean heel unit that, I mean... The fact that they were down to four with Shun and America and SB still on excursion, like it caused issues. So having Ishan in there, getting it back up to five right now, I think is pretty important. Actually, six now. Now they're back up to six. But he provides like that heft, heft to him. Like he has, there's stuff about him that, that feels heavy. Like he, like he's absolutely like he, his countenance is like gone straight into dead behind the eyes. He is done with with dealing with families and legacies he's just here to destroy things and it, it it's something that it's nice to kind of see a heel turn for a young guy done in this way that i i feel like it's different than like how Hio turned how sb turned and how kakuda turned when they all turned heel this feels like a lot more deliberate and i think that's very cool and yeah i feel like now having 
I, I would call it a goon squad, but it's just not really that case here. But having some heft here when you're going to want to have Diamante and Shun elsewhere, I think helps out Zebrats a lot. Yeah, I think that's that's a really interesting part of this unit where it's not quite as extreme to be able to say like you have, you know, Zebrats black and white and Zebrats Hollywood, but the way that this unit who feels so cohesive, if you had a five on five or a six on six tag match right now and Zebrats are in it, everybody lined up together is going to feel really strong and feel like one. But the fact that the unit can take on a, a different aura when it's Shun and Diamante and whoever, or when it's Kai and whoever, or when it's Hyo and whoever, the different combinations of guys I think are really part of this unit's success because there were times, even in R.E.D., where you could have a bit of a dud lineup within that unit. There were times where you might get a trios manager just like, oh, those are those are the guys they're rolling out. But as long as you straddle Hulk with two entertaining wrestlers, which is you know what happened later on in this show. Zebrats is full of winning combinations and combinations that feel different. And I really like that about them. Yeah. I mean, like think about like an RED at one point, it was, you'd be having matches that was like Yoshida Diamante before Diamante started improving and Kazuma Sakamoto. Your Kanda or Kanda. Yeah. I, I mean, Yoshida Kanda and pre uh, lockdown Diamante. But then you'd also get like an Eita Kaito Ishida tag match or like, you know, later on Eita Kaito Ishida SB Kento. It's like, oh, this is awesome. You know, but it's right, just, yeah. th that's that's what I, I love about this unit. And really the way the units are lined up now, which it's a shame. I feel like there's going to be some rumblings at the start of the year again, but this is not the most depth that the, that the Dragon Gate roster has ever had. But the unit alignments feel about as fair as they've ever felt. There are very few matches on paper right now in this specific era where I go, ugh, that's that's a miss. That's a complete swing and a miss. That, that units feel very balanced right now, which I like. And the only units that don't feel balanced at the moment, they're doing things to address that. Yes. At least in the short term. So, yeah, no, I, I totally co-sign with that. It, it, it's something... That I that this was always going to be a shakeup that I felt like it was going to take a while, but this is something that maybe it's instead of being a shakeup, it's the state of things right now. Like that's just there's there's just a lot of movement in the unit battlefield, and it certainly doesn't feel like it's going to be stopping anytime soon. Good opener, and I'm I'm very glad that Ishin is where he's at. He's been handled very well so far. Yeah, I went three and a quarter. I thought this was fun. I'm right there with you. Match two was a. Kind of Riku Dragon Pro Wrestling Produce, kind of not. Uh, Shisa Boy making a rare Corkin appearance, teaming with Teal and Shisa versus Gorkin Mask and Trami Saver. Apparently, Gorkin Mask is a heel right now in Riku Dragon, which breaks my heart. I can't take that. He, I, I mean, you hear that theme song, Gorkin Drive, and you, you can't think of anything despicable out of him, but he's a bad guy, teaming with Trami Saver. And Trami Saver won with a shore break. Uh, crucifix bomb on shisa boy in eight minutes and 57 seconds look he might be a heel in okinawa but he's not a heel in my heart and this is another one of those matches where look was this thing anything special absolutely not but 
I thought this was fun while it lasted. I actually, I particularly enjoyed Shisa Boy in this match. And this calendar year, I've come to grips with the fact that he's washed, that he's no longer kind of a fun undercard wrestler. And then he flipped the script on me here, and I thought he looked great. Yeah, this was just, for what it was, and I think this is also, like, this was less than nine minutes, so it was really hard to kind of get tired of it. It just, like, you, you got to see the interactions there. Whenever I say Trommy Saver and Dragon Gig, like, I like Trommy Saver. I feel like I said that every single time he shows up here. So, like, we're, we're getting, like, the, the parts of Riku Dragon that I'm actually more interested in. And so, like, it was, felt like a perfectly fine, like, little match. Like, I had absolutely no problems on it. Did not think it was great, but it was fun. I'm going to be really curious at the end of the month to see what those Okinawa shows look like because the last time they were there was in June. This was right after the Toriumon reunion show where we went from this great opening quarter with all of these unit changes and Fujiwara taking shape and Kai developing into this really fun heel champion. We go into Dead or Alive. That show is pretty good. Hey, King of Gates really fun. June King of Gate finals are great. Torimon reunion show happens, and overnight, it just all goes to shit. And the rest of the show's in June, and then obviously the main event angle in July that led to a complete business skid for the rest of the month through World and the Ultimo Dragon show. Uh, it wasn't until August when things were when the snow globe was shaken and everything was refreshed. But those June Okinawa shows felt so dire and were such a bummer to watch. And it was sad for us because we were excited that Okinawa was making tape again. It had been a while since we had seen shows from Okinawa. And then they were, oh my God, they were dreadful. They were so dry. I think you and I did like 20 minutes on three shows and then moved on. We had to find another topic to talk about because there was just nothing to say about those. And that was coming off of a Fukuoka triple shot yeah, that was also super dry. So I really hope that uh, when we get Gurkin and Saver and the Shisas back at the end of the month, that there's some life to those shows. Yeah, and it, it, it's something that like with these Okinawa shows, I think the, these this time it's kind of lack supported, but it, it it's something that like it always ends up being like a big like fan club kind of thing. Also, so. Maybe it could be something where, like, you can, you can maybe have something with capacity, you know, just so that we can get some cheering with those shows. Because, like, it, it was something that it was weird and not weird in a pleasant way. Like, well, I, I think that was the show that, like, we decided we had to watch that Hanshin battle just to clear our palates. That's pro- I think that's when we did the Osaka Pro Review. I think you're right. Because it was just, I mean, weirdly enough, like, those will go down in history as the last Kaisuke Akuda Dragon Gate matches. And God, I mean, I'm looking at it's like this show I'm looking at on paper. It's not even that bad. Uh, this was June 19th. Top two matches, BB Hulk and Hyo versus Ben and Yamato. But this was at a time when high end just had nothing going for it. And then main event was Daya and Yoshioka and Susumu against Kai, SB Kento and Shun, which I think if you run that back, that match back now, it's a million times better than it was in June. And it looks like the night before would have been Hyo and Skywalker versus D-Courage, which again, that should have been better. And then main event, Ashita, Minora, and Doi versus Drankid, Akuda, and Yamato, which already feels a million years ago. Yeah, it, it's something where sometimes uh, 
months fly by sometimes months feel like years and it does feel weirdly like june feels like a completely different year in this compact so that show or that that building that they ran it looks like for the dragon gate proper shows they did about 200 fans on both nights and then oddly enough for the ryuku dragon dragon gate uh, joint show they did 120 they did way lower um and then the last Riku Dragon show that they ran there, they did 94 fans. So I don't know what capacity is, but they should be able to stuff that baby again. Yeah, no, it, it's something that at least I get why these shows happen. It's just like going up on the network is just like, you got to do something to make those feel a little bit more welcoming. You know, well, the, the, the joy of it used to be when it was a more proper infinity format was you would get, you know, Drangy guys hanging out at the beach. I mean, I still think like and I wish it was on the network and I could just easily point to it. But I specifically remember the 2014 Okinawa TV tapings were just a ton of fun because it was kind of guys being dudes and then also some fun wrestling matches that are spliced when it's the single cam Okinawa show in front of clap crowds. I think people, maybe newer fans, look at us like we're crazy when they're going like, why why were they excited about this? This sucks. They're in a barn somewhere. But at one point, these shows were very fun. Absolutely, that's for sure. Uh, support for Open the Voice Gate this week comes to us from HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get farm-fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. In case, you know, one of the great things about HelloFresh, it's right in the name here. The ingredients travel from farm to your doorstep in less than seven days, so you know they're fresh. Plus, everything is pre-portioned to make cooking a snap and cut down on food waste. And I know that food waste is such a big concern in your household. Look, I, I'm I'm a wasteful man. I threw away some food today that wasn't from HelloFresh, and it immediately made me realize I'm buying too much food at the grocery store. And the great thing with me right now in HelloFresh, the call to action, to use an industry term, that I can give you is that listeners of this show have, have heard a lot about my love life. I talked about it extensively when we were selling male groomers last year. The HelloFresh ads have also given me a ton of cannon fodder to talk about my relationship status. And I, I am currently in a a new, albeit happy, healthy, exciting relationship with somebody who I really enjoy in a way where I don't even have fun stories. It has just gone incredibly, incredibly well uh, for the brief time that we have known together. And last weekend, she was making dinner for me, her request. She said, let me cook for you. I said, I, I can't believe that this is happening. This is the nicest thing anybody's ever done for me. And she was so stressed out about buying all of these little ingredients, all of these little things that she needed to make this meal, I finally had to look at her in the eyes. I said, baby, you got to get on HelloFresh because I have a promo code VOW16. They're going to send you a box of stuff. It's going to be fresh food. It's going to be prepackaged ingredients. You're not going to need to stress about whether you have this or that or if you need to run to the store or if you're not going to have whatever you need. It's all there in the HelloFresh box. And I would quite frankly love to have some Mushu pork bowls with this lady because I really, really like her. And I, I look at the menu right now, Case, and, and, and this, this menu screams date night to me because you, you, you brought the Mushu pork, bowl, the pork bowls. I mean, that's number one right there. I mean, come on. We're in a, we're in a time of year where like you, you, you kind of need that kind of stuff. I, I've had uh, it before. As a HelloFresh customer, I've had the Mushu pork bowls before. Let me tell great. you, it delivered. It delivers. Yeah, you know what I'm really looking forward to? 
the premium pick barbecue ribs with buffalo mac and cheese i saw that that is uh, that that is a premium pick right there and rightfully so it looks uh it looks like some proper barbecue then mike i don't know if you're on the same page i am but you scroll down a little bit i see some plant-based protein messy janes and the ally in me says hello don't mind if i do i wouldn't mind making that for my partner i would greatly enjoy a messy jane for dinner now and then tons of options with HelloFresh. And a great way, if you're kitchen illiterate like me, to have some healthy meals. Yeah, and you get to learn how to cook from it. I mean, they give you like those little steps to step. Did you know how Julianne thinks for HelloFresh? No. Yeah, yeah. You learn actual skills that you put forth in your life with HelloFresh. S- sweet heat shrimp tempura bowl. Sorry to cut you off, but I like anything that has sweet heat in the name. And that might be going in my cart next week. That looks excellent. I, you know, when people ask me about K-Slow, they ask me a phrase to describe him. I describe it like, K-Slow, how do you describe K-Slow? Sweet heat. That's exactly it. I, I'm, a, I'm a very nice man and, until it comes to bad indie wrestling commentary, and then I bring the heat. Absolutely. And if any of these a- sound appetizing to you, you want to learn how to cook a little better. You, you, you want to pare it down on your groceries. This is what you do. You go to HelloFresh.com slash VOW65 and use promo code VOW65 for 65% off plus free shipping. That's HelloFresh.com slash VOW65 and promo code VOW65 for 65% off plus free shipping. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. Case, I was really looking forward to talk about this match, this next match with you, because this would normally be your touch football match of the evening, starring Ultimo Dragging, Ginky Horiguchi, and our main man, Kenichiro Rai, versus Konamaui Chikawa, Ryu Fuda, and Hoho Loon. And it was Kenichiro Rai winning with a cravat package on Fuda. And Case, it is time for people who might not understand the delights of one Kanichiro Rai. I was so delighted to see that you show proper respect to our main man around here, and as you showed out for us on Wednesday. Uh, this was this was fantastic. I mean, Arkin and Fuda just took control of this match, and it's probably a bad sign for Rhea Fuda long term that he's quote unquote crushing it with Kanichiro Arai in match number three, where you look at where Takuma Fujiwara is at and you look at where Minorita's at and you look at, you know, where Mochizuki Jr. and even Kato are at, that he's in this level and I'm looking for signs of encouragement here. But God, he and Arakin were just so much fun in this match. Yeah, it, it, it's something that he is the sleaziest guy with a Dragon System affiliation not named Taru, but Kenichiro Rai, he, there's a genius behind like the permanent like stench of Paul Mall cigarettes and within a 10 mile radius of him. He understands that sometimes you'll come across a punk and you'll lock on the tightest cravat. Chris Hero be so proud. That's the thing. And, I, I, sorry, to, I, sorry, sorry, go ahead. Sorry. I got, I got excited thinking about the cravat again. <laughs> <laughs> because the finish, like, Fudo was was like right, rearing up. He was about to, he pulled off one of his step kicks. It looked like that Fuda might have got something together, you know, trying to stake his claim. But nope, Kenichiro Rai just went, I'm Arakan and I don't do this stuff. And just put him in a, in a cravat and dragged him to the mat with his shoulders down for the three count. To a point where Jason Lee was on commentary 
basically pleading with Jay, asking if he could steal that move. And Jay is like, I, I don't, you got to ask him, not me. I don't know, <laughs> which was, I would put in my Hall of Fame Durango English commentary moments of Jason going, can I steal that? That's really cool. I, I, I want to do that move. I would like to do that just over and over again. But yeah, Arkin busting out basically Chris Hero and Chikara level uh, pinning combinations here and getting Fuda with the cravat pin, something I've never seen before, something that I want to see more of. This was a ton of fun. I had to go back and make sure that Eric and didn't end up wrestling Jeff Ferson Ville, Indiana. Just in case. <laughs> Just in case. I, I don't believe so, but I bet for all of the American towns and cities that Arkin could be booked in, Jeffersonville, Indiana would probably be his favorite. Hey, uh, you know, like there's the guy from Gunbare who is wrestling in the States now, Shota, right? Yes. I'm imagining like the reports back that he's probably shooting over to to Ark. And I mean, they, they were Tenryu Project Tag Team Champions. They have to have like a text threat between the two of them. And it's just like, well, I was in uh, just uh, South Padre Island wrestling on a beach today. And Kenichiro Rise just responds, good. Does uh, Do you think Ark has ever used an emoji? Never. No. Yeah. No. I don't, doesn't, I don't know how, doesn't know how to make them. Doesn't care. No, he could he could them. he could have a BlackBerry, and that wouldn't surprise me. I mean, th- there was like a so when Uha Nation. No, it, this was later. It was when, uh, when uh, Akira Tozawa left the company. Uh, Rio Saito said, "I still have a flip phone, so don't the like I'm not going to tweet at you and be mindful of my email." <laughs> so I, I see that still happening because email on phone was like a big thing in Japan, like up until recently. Like that was like a predominant way of communication was like sending emails on the phone. So I could see that being like Arkin might still pull out the old uh, Nokia brick phone and, and, and fire off something uh, looking at his calendar that way to see if he has a date open to work basement monster. So Arkin has wrestled in America twice. He did. He's done quite a few European dates, but the only American bookings he's ever had, North America, United States, because he wrestled in Mexico plenty, obviously. But he did the Drangated LA show, which was Drangkid and Kendo versus Arkin and Awasa, and then was on the Drangate Hawaii show, where it was Mori, Saito, and Susumu versus Tozawa, Arkin, and Awasa. And that Drangate Hawaii show, for those that haven't seen it, is a ton of fun. But that's a shame. It. it you know, obviously he's not somebody that Gabe would have interest in just kind of knowing what Gabe likes and values, but the fact that he didn't do like a random Chikara weekend is a bit of a bummer. Yeah. Like he is like the person that would happen at H car King trios weekend where they're drawing out the, the hat and like they name off like, like the Mulkey brothers and in Kenichiro Rai and everyone goes like, no, he can't be here. And then a Kenichiro Rai theme comes out, and he's and it's Kenichiro Rai in the middle of the ECW arena. Like yeah, that's even what like that that pro wrestling unplugged show that I think was a Feinstein project. Yes, and it they was. had BB Hulk and Shimo on on a set of their shows. It just seems like maybe that would have been an arc and weekend too. Yeah, I mean, I could see RF video being the only place to wanting to get a Kenichiro or I shoot video too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That'd be really good. <laughs> but yeah, no, that th- this had no rights to be like a low key banger between two people and four other people in the middle of a match. 
no completely, right. but that's what you get when you book Kanichiro Rai. Hey, he's our main man for a reason. Match four was the singles match. Don Fuji versus Mochizuki Jr. Don Fuji won in three minutes, 56 seconds with the Gato Clutch. And sometimes you have to go beat up your best friend's son, especially if they're an asshole. And that's what Don Fuji did. I had said for a few months now, I said there's a possibility to do something really interesting with Fuji versus Mochizuki Jr. I wish the match was twice as long, if not three times as long, but they got their point across. Fuji attacked the father and the son, and he wrestles the Holy Spirit every night of his existence. But this was exactly what I wanted to see. You know, decades, uh, uh, you know, multiple decade long friendship between Fuji and Masaki Mochizuki. And it all goes out the window here when he wrestles his son. And the more important thing to note is, okay, Ishin got fed up with Mochizuki Jr. because Ishin can't win unless dad helps. They lose the titles. And now we have this match here where Mochizuki ends up costing Mochizuki Jr. the win by accident, you know, via botched interference, basically. And I would expect that to be a theme going forward. Of course, you know, we don't have TV until the end of the month now, but for whatever YouTube uploads occur between now and then, if we get an M3K match, I would kind of expect this to be the finish going forward. I I would expect Mochizuki on the apron or Mochizuki, you know, accidentally kicking Mochizuki Jr. and then Mochizuki Jr. eating the fall. I think for the end of the year, that's going to be the pattern of some of these M3K matches. Yeah, and I think that that's finally going to... The, they have to do the son versus father match down the line, and they'll want to do it, you know, before it's too late with that. And it's something that I think that you could very easily do, especially from an audience that, I mean, this this Corkin audience knew exactly what, what it meant that Don Fuji was taking on Mochizuki Jr. throughout it. And, and, like, I think you have to do that match down the line in 2023. You have to do it in Corkin. And... It, after that, that's when M3K goes their separate ways. I, I feel like that, that 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 maybe we were thinking that there was a nice little swerve thing that M3K had legs, but we look into 2023 at this point, case if we go along with your idea, which I think I, I, I'm willing to co-sign. I think that that's pretty likely, at least until the next the start of the next loop, at the very least. It There might be, like, we might be approaching a time where an off-ramp might be quickly approaching frame 3K, I think. Well, they've accomplished their main goal of introducing Mochizuki Jr. into the the forefront of the Dragon Gate fan base. I think, I think they're going to be around a little bit longer than you do, just because we're at a weird point where if M3K goes away, I'm not really worried about Masaki Mochizuki, and I'm not really worried about Yasushi Kanda, but if M3K goes away, we're at a point for the first time since September of 1999, really, where we have to look and go, okay, what's next for Susumu Mochizuki? And I just don't know with how heavily phased out he was, or I guess rather how heavily emphasized it was that he was phasing himself out after the Kai match. M3K was a natural progression. I don't know what you do with him after this, and I think him more so than a, a Masaki Mochizuki or a Mochizuki Jr. is going to keep the threads of this unit together a little while longer. No, that's entirely fair because I think that that, that is a conversation that would have to happen because his unique position, and especially when you look at the rest of the people in his generation, I think that M3K ending any time in the near future, you have to have that conversation about Susumu. 
Uh, other funny things about this match, uh, they did the whole Don Fuji uh, trying to whip someone into the, the, the corner post, but instead uh, Mochizuki Jr. slid into the ring going like, oh, he's seen how his uncle fights for 20 years. He knows what to do with that. And, and then after uh, Don Fuji rocked uh, Mochi, he Mochi getting up into the ring with his glasses unshoveled and playing that up as long as he could for last was great. Yeah, this was this was really fun. I wish it lasted longer. Absolutely. Then we got into match five. It was high end versus Akashi Yoshida and Problem Dragon. Yamato penned Problem Dragon with a Galarae after eight minutes and thirty four seconds. Should we talk about the the uh, main events post match stuff because it definitely plays into this here? Let's do it. So this was basically this entire match. Yamato and Dragon Kid were like, okay, we could take care of these two. But Yoshida and Mondai Ryu brought it, trying to be like, hey, we are your generational peers. We're not going to like stand for this. And then after the three-way six-man, uh, Benkei managed to divert uh, Shun's attention away from Gold Class towards High End. Bringing out Yamato, Shun said, I don't care about ending High End. High End's dead already. And then Yoshida and Prom Dragon came out to stick up for Yamato, and they are teaming together. The four guys, Yamato, Dragon Kid, Yoshida, and Problem Dragon versus Zebrats on the December 6th Corkin. So I, they're not members of High End, but it seems like they're fighting for High End's honor. And coming out of, like, getting to, like, getting to see fight out of Yoshida we're used to, but work rate Problem Dragon is something we have probably not seen in, like, four years and probably six years before that. Since the end of over generation, I would imagine. Right. Yes, yeah, so we're talking summer 2018. Yeah, because oh my god, that's right. Over generation lasted that long. Um, I'm okay with this. I, I'm not gonna say I'm excited about it, but I'm willing to see where this goes. I mean, I I think Yoshida has become such a dynamic babyface. I mean, he's so interesting to watch in moments of sympathy, which is not something that I would really have ever expected from the former Cyber Kong, but over the last, you know, year and a half, I I really liked, you know, basically this gentle giant Takashi Yoshida. And I think Problem Dragon for one or two big matches is capable of doing something worthwhile. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm curious to see what this Zebrats match looks like, because it could have a really high ceiling. Yeah, and I feel like, at least for the next month or so, there's mileage in Babyface Yoshida Yamato, like, Mike segments. There's a yes. lot of mileage there. So I could very easily see if high-end, like, they had to have something with Yamato. Like, that's this isn't like Susumu, where it's like, well, what kind of conversation we have this? High-end ends tomorrow, Yamato gets a new unit. And, and, I, and Dragon Kid, for that matter. I mean, right. high, high End is in such a weird spot where they're down to two guys, and even though they're they're aging stars, they're still probably the Poster two figures. most the two most recognizable faces in the promotion. They're the two guys front and center on most of the posters. Yeah. If you, if you take a look at the posters since 2018, and if you want to do like a poll on who's the most in focus and center where your eye goes to, it will be Yamato and Dragon Kid on the majority of them. Who, so, were, in, who were in singles title matches on Gate of Destiny? Right. Yeah. That was not a mistake. Yeah. So it could be something that they re completely re gear, rebrand high end around DK, Yamato, and Yoshida. And I think that's totally fine. Like for, for, for its purposes and how the, the promotion is going, 
that's all right to have that. I look at that like a team veteran unit, frankly. And I think that that would be a fine position here. But like the short term, and at least for one match, you were saying, like, I don't have question about Mondai Ryu being able to pop a match. It's, I, if it's something that's where like, oh, Mondai Ryu now is the fourth member of high end and he's going to be in all these matches. That's when I have issues. Completely. That would suck. But, I mean, we saw it even here. I mean, Problem Dragon had some great near falls on Yamato in this match that I thought were entertaining. This was a lot like the prior two matches where they weren't even, I, I you know, obviously not great. I wouldn't even call them very good, but they were fun for what they were. And Problem Dragon scoring some near falls I thought was great. Oh, yeah. No. With the exception of, I think, like the opener, I did not have anything through this match above three and a quarter stars. Like, but it was all fun stuff. Like, I had yeah. a great time during it. It just is something that the star rating, I, I, as I like to say, does not necessarily always tell the story. So, so I think I, I think you and I are in the same boat with this main event angle, and I, I think this will be something that's pretty divisive where, you know, some people are going to see those names on paper that are maybe not watching regularly, and they're immediately going to hand wave, and I, I, I don't even begrudge them for that. I, I get it. And then with the people that do watch on a pretty consistent basis. I've already seen split opinions here. My tone will change when it's February of 2023 and we have a high-end six-man tag. It's Yamato, Drankin, and Problem Dragon versus a Zebrats team. That I'm not going to be into. A Cork and Hall show here, a Kobe show there, maybe an Osaka outing uh, for Yoshida and Yamato and Drankin and maybe Problem Dragon as well. I can deal with that. Yeah, no. For the short term, I think that's fine. And then... You know, I don't know if Problem Dragon really can be able to do that with his, the stat, the status of his neck. You know, I don't know if he could be doing a, a full-time mainline uh, gig right now. So I think this match would be perfectly fine for him with and, that. And, and to reemphasize, final point here, I'm glad you said that. Mike's segments with Yamato and Yoshida, that does not matter to anybody listening to this podcast. That absolutely matters to people in the building. Yeah, no, it's one of those things that... That's one of those like wonderful things about Decourage, like seeing how Yoshioka has been able to handle himself and how Kakuda has really, really kind of become a a presence there. Like it's important natively that like that happens. So, like when we talk about attendance, you these are the things that come in. The, it's not just matches. Stuff like this does matter for Dragon Gate. Yep. Match six was the final Dragon Gate match of this little brief vacation for Takuma Fujiwara. He teamed with his opponent from Gate of Destiny, Eita, versus T2P, so the part-timers club, as, uh, or, or I'm sorry, the, uh, the businessman club, as Jay called it, of, of, of Suji Kondo and Naruki Doi. Suji Kondo won with one of the more brutal lariat cells we've seen in a while, and that is saying... And I am saying that remembering what happened with Hangman Page. Like, Takuma Fujiwara really likes landing right on his neck. And the crowd shrieked for the finish. It was sick. But boy, Takuma Fujiwara, it is blessed to be 20. I'll say that. Did you see Doi and Shingo working out together today? Nah, but guys being dudes, man. Guys Big being six. dudes. Uh, you can see those photos on Doi's Instagram. He and uh, Shingo met up for the first time in a long time. I want to throw that out there. Uh, as for the match, hold on, I mean, hold, hold, hold on. We are probably like realistically, with the exception of like Hulk and Tozawa, all the big six are gonna like start having their own gyms at one point in time. You know, like it's going to happen. And does Hulk? What's Hulk's thing? Because he's he's not a gym guy. No, no, no. Drinking's his thing. 
<laughs> BB Hulk Strip Club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, uh, <laughs> ladies of the night, brought to you by BB Hulk. Yeah, uh, yeah, but uh, no, it's just something like <laughs> my, like, like my, my the, got very uncomfortable. <laughs> I, I'm just like thinking, but like this was twenty, this was two thousand and five, and maybe if Magnum had a little bit more of a voice in the room. Might not have gotten too far away from that case. No, that's true. A Magnum Tokyo BB Hulk nightclub certainly seemed like a realistic possibility at one point. Seems like a threat, too. <laughs> it seems like a bad time. Seems miserable. <laughs> case, I know you are really hitting the, the big clubs of Chicago. I know I was oh. really in. I was in live. I was at the Font Blue every weekend in Miami. You I'm, know, a, like, I'm at Debonair. I'm at Tau. I'm at sluggers in wrigleyville which isn't a nightclub it's a bar but i already ran out of nightclubs that i know here i, I what can i say i'm at I, you know I, i'm a young man I, i've got to get my drink on i've got to get my club on i've got to get my ex on and this is the time to do it yeah so takuma fujiwara in this time has decided that he is just going to be a supernova wrestling prodigy and just make a crowd scream for him like did you notice that on the finish Yes, it, it's been a consistent theme with Fujiwara where he's getting people to break noise restrictions. And it's my favorite game of them all is this 20 year old who won't be 21 until 2023 is just he just has the crowd in the palm of his hands. Did you see and this is by no means a legitimate way of measuring anything from any sort of real perspective, but when HS theme music hit. They cut to a portion of the Cork and Hall crowd. Did you see the amount of Fujiwara merch that people had? I missed that cut, but it doesn't surprise me. It was like a fan and a fan maybe signs. A, maybe a towel, and then somebody had like kind of like a face mask looking thing for Fujiwara that had to have been homemade because I haven't seen that on the Gaiora site before. But look, he's he's already somebody that matters to the fabric of this promotion. He's going to go back to Mexico, and when he comes back, it is going to be such a big deal. It's I, I think they're almost like setting this up in a way that him and Ata are going to be the big story in 2023. Now, I, I pitched this in the Voices of Wrestling Discord. I want your thoughts on this because I, I saw somebody on Twitter ask me about this today too. Is there a possibility of a Mochizuki dojo like unit, but it's for Acha for it's for Acha. It's for Ata and his Lucha fetishists. So my proposed unit, hear me out here. It's Ata, Takuma Fujiwara, Takumi Nishikawa, La Estrella, and then give or take UT and or Diamante. Yeah, I'm sold. You, you, I, I, I mean that is, that is our unit. That that is yeah. I'm buying the tracksuit, not to steal your gimmick. I'm buying the tracksuit. I'm buying the towels. I'm buying the fans. I'm buying the keychains. I put the keychains on my backpack. People are going to go, oh, what's at that? Home. Yeah, it's, I, I'm, buying, I'm buying the entire thing. Ho-Ho's going to have a big box of stuff that he's going to ship to America just for me if that unit takes place. Ho-Ho's going to have your address memorized. By <laughs> yeah. <the way. laughs> yeah, it, it, it's something that like Ata is still in this very weird place, and it's only going to get weirder, I feel like. <laughs> and if it, it, it's something that now with apparently Peros wrapping up, you know, in this promotion, if he's going to remain, I don't know anything, but it seems like the direction is with Takuma Fujiwara. Like, it, it, it feels very... 
obvious to me. Like if he is like really sticking around, that's what he has he has to be with. And I think that that does a little good for everyone. I can't fathom other than just, you know, from a dork level having better matches, even though I thought both matches that he had were just superbly good. And he specifically looked great in both of the matches, which is all that you could really hope for. I have no qualms about his two Drangate proper matches over the past week. Now we're recording this hours before the Noah Drangate show. Who fucking knows what's going to happen? Who, who knows what is going to happen on that show? Luckily he's in the ring with Shun Skywalker. That should be very fun. I don't put any stock in that match. Cause it's just that entire show is just off in its own alien universe. But what I do know is that for the two Drangate proper matches that he wrestled in, I have no notes. It only, it didn't reaffirm my belief that Fujiwara will be a megastar and actually added fuel to that fire. Yeah, and it's something that you could tell everyone else in the ring kind of knew this. Like, Naruki Doi, you know, uh, freelance now, exclusive, or not exclusive freelance, no, it's like, it's special freelancer. Uh, doing more Dragon Dates through the Dragon Gate Dates through the rest of the year. Saw like a fire out of him. Like I can't remember the last time I, I saw him do that overstep over that that over rotate abdominal clutch he did. That uh that that running rebound a uh, cannonball senton out of nowhere. When's the last time you saw him do that case? Like he like was the, the time off really either like gave him like the fuel to like get him to the finish line, however long that may be. Or he saw like with this kind of matches and was like, all right, I'm gonna admit I want to put my best foot forward for it because Doit was awesome in this as well. I mean, if you were a Drangate wrestler right now, wouldn't you want to be in the ring with Fujiwara? Wouldn't that just excite you? Especially if you're a guy like Doi who's wrestled everybody on the roster a million times. He, if he's gonna wrestle Nagano, he's not gonna have the same fervor that he has with Fujiwara. Like that's that's something that Fujiwara has that I I think is so interesting. And it's a human trait that so, so few have, but he seems to have it in the confines of pro wrestling where he just brings the best out of everybody that is in the ring with. You know, I, I think this is a, a Drangate thing, you know, a lot of the time where you rarely see guys that have bad chemistry with one another. But Fujiwara is going to be one of those guys that I, I think if everything goes right 10 years into his career – we're going to look at a, a list of guys in the same way that, you know, Brian Danielson, how many people have had the best match of their careers with Brian Danielson, Kenta Kobashi, another one. I know I'm throwing out big names here, but I think in the context of Drangi, Takuma Fujiwara will be that guy where people have their best match with him. He's going to be the measuring stick. Like, even if it isn't to like that level, like I feel like that that is becoming more and more of a realistic possibility by each passing day. At the very least, he's going to be the person that I feel like if someone comes into Dragon Gate, I'm not certain about them. If they can't have a good match with uh, Takuma Fujiwara, I'll know a lot about them immediately. You know? Oh, it would be the quickest way for your stock to plummet. I mean, it would be Enron levels of, of I no longer want the stock. Right, yeah. So it, it, it it's also exciting for him, and it's stuff that like he kicked out of the fur. He kicked out of a Bakatari sliding kick in this match. Yeah, like, Ata, Ata broke up the pin of the Bakatari, but... I, I am going to go with the narrative as well that he kicked out of a Bakatari sliding kick and then kicked out of a King Kong Lariat, which is no joke. Yeah, and, the, and the, it was a 
short arm like shotgun blast king kong lariat too like kondo always delights whenever he gets to kind of do this sort of thing and you could tell like that also he was like yes not only am i going to get to do this but i'm gonna do this with someone who's going to bump like crazy uh he's a phenom and it's gonna be a good time absolutely uh, this was i mean i only went three and a half on this which is the same rating i gave the eight to match gate of destiny but these are essential viewing matches i mean if you haven't seen and that's that's something that i should point out if you're listening to this the day it comes out or saturday so november 11th or november 12th go watch gate of destiny and then go watch this corkin show you've got time you've got uh, a, a ton of great matches sitting on the network that are available uh for a few more days go take advantage of it absolutely the semi-main event for corkin was d courage versus the original m2k Yuki Yoshioka, Dragon Dai, and Madoka Kakuda versus Masaki Mochizuki, Susumu Mochizuki, and Azushi Kanda. It was Masaki Mochizuki getting the pen after blocking a frog splash from Yuki Yoshioka in the post-match. Uh, Mochizuki was like hemming and hawing a little bit. It was like, yeah, I'll take a challenge. And Yoshioka immediately stepped up and was like, yes, we're, we're having this match. I want this match. We've never had this match. I, I need to prove myself against you. And Mochizuki was like, well... I kind of consider Mochizuki a dojo a failure just because of Shun Skywalker, but you were there too. So, yes, we'll do this. And GM Ryo Saito jumped into the ring to set the match. Okay, so this might be the final dance that we're going to see on December 6th as Misaki Mochizuki, a month before he turns 53, a month before his 24th anniversary in pro wrestling, will have yet another Dreamgate match in Corken Hall. I have a lot of thoughts on Mochizuki Dreamgate matches in Cork and Hall, but I want to briefly note that this was the match that I thought way over delivered. You know, I, I was pretty spicy little number. Oh spicy. my God. It, w- one of, one of the matches I will say, you know, I, I think at this point I'm at probably 50 matches at four stars or higher with Drangate this year. But if I was going to make like a top 25, you know, getting to know Dragon Gate in 2022, this match makes the playlist. This would be a personal favorite of the year. Just God, it was just so much fun. And it goes to show what a complete act D-Courage is. I mean, they're going against the most legendary trio in Dragon System history. And D-Courage was right there with them. I thought Kakuta was brilliant in most of this. And then down the stretch, Yoshioka and Mochizuki... You know, anybody with a brain doesn't need them, doesn't need that match sold to them. But then you watch what they did and it's just like, oh, my God, this is going to be something else. Yeah, it's something that like I was four flat on this notebook on this easy notebook. This was one of the ones that you you see this like, yeah, no, this this is excellent. This is worth going away for. And a lot of that is Dragon Daya. Dragon Daya has become the best babyface in peril in pro wrestling today. I'm pretty confident saying that. He, for what felt like, felt like eternity in a match that was only 11 minutes long, but it felt like the right length. This wasn't a 20-minute, three-minute match case. This was like a five-minute period of the match that was just Dragon Diet getting the absolute piss kicked out of him. And eventually he got the hot tag there, but they managed to like work this in such a way that Dragon Diet, you are like on the edge of your seat. You are just ready to burst out of your seat seeing the hot tag and then here comes in Yoshioka and Kakuda clearing the ring it is not like Dragon Gate's always known for being state-of-the-art pro wrestling this was had aspects of state-of-the-art pro wrestling in this 
But at its core, this was such a traditional match that the veteran, the wily veterans, they were in over their head, but they were able to outsmart the plucky babyface kids because they've been through it long enough. And Mochizuki was like, oh, I know I can get my knees up here. And if I just sucker him in for this, and I think I can get a three count out of this. Just basic wrestling stuff. And it was done just expertly well. Uh, they could not have nailed D courage better than they have. And that, that goes from the start, the formation to the tag team, when it was Yoshioka and Daya to the singles push that Yoshioka got the inclusion of Kakuta. It all couldn't have gone any better. Now talk about tradition, talk about the role that dragon Daya's played. Let's talk about the role of Masaki Mochizuki wrestling for the open, the Dreamgate championship and Cork and hall. As champion and as challenger, eight total matches that Mochizuki has wrestled for the Dreamgate in this building. I'm going to run down all of them here real quick. Uh, May 2005, he wrestles Don Fuji. March, or I'm sorry, April of 2007, he wrestled Jushin Thunder Liger as the challenger. Skip ahead three years, May 2010, he wrestles Yamato, challenging for the Dreamgate belt. Uh, April 2011, he challenges and wins the Dreamgate belt from Masato Yoshino. That October, he defends against Akira Tozawa. January 16th, 2014, a legendary match. He challenges Masato Yoshino yet again. And then February 2018, he defends against KZ. In October of 2019, he challenges Ben K. Other than the Liger match, which I have never seen before, those are seven of my favorite Dreamgate matches ever. He's... And I know that we differ a little bit on this. I think he's the best singles match wrestler in Dragon System history. And those matches are some of the best singles matches in the company's history. Well, I mean, other than Shingo, I don't even think anybody gives him a run for his money. Yeah, it, It's one of those two. Yeah, I know and, you're and, and, a little Susu, higher than Shingo. And Susumu's close. But, I, I mean, yeah, I'm, pro I'm probably a little higher on Shingo, but not not by much. And And, and it's something that... I feel, and this is just like my my impression, I feel like this with how the company has changed even from the last time he's challenged, just with like the generation change has happened, more and more people of the original generation have to part of the company by every day. I don't doubt Misaki Mochizuki and his ability, but I do feel like that this is realistically one of the last Dreamgate matches he'll ever have. So I feel like this is, this might be it. I feel like this might be the last dance for, for Masaki Mochizuki. I'm really curious to see if they're able to build on their attendance with this match announced. Th this match and the Yamato, you know, high-end Takashi Yoshida festivity, which I, I, I don't know if that's a drawing match, but I, that, you know, that certainly piqued my interest. But with this on top, I would really hope, and I, I this is not my official prediction, but I would hope that you get 1,300 in the building for this. Yeah, especially for the fact that uh, I know this wasn't mentioned this time, but um, Mochi Tokyo native views Cork and Hall kind of as his home turf, too. So, like, there's a reason why almost, other than him, when he was a champion and going elsewhere, a lot of his matches for the belt happened in this building, too. So yeah, no, before you, you came to 1300 in my head, that's what I had to. So I'm totally with you on that. And outside of it being 
you know, just another Yoshioka match that feels hot, which all of them have so far, but this felt hot. I mean, this feels like a match that if they wrestled it tomorrow, I think people would care about it. You know, they don't need an extravagant build here. They're not going to get one. I, I don't know how many house shows Mochizuki is going to be working given the, the Noah schedule that he wrestles as well. But this feels like a match that should be able to realistically come close to filling cork. And, and, and I'm, I mean, in terms of match quality, Oh my God, it's going to be, it's going to be phenomenal. Yeah, no, I mean, the sky's the limit there. I don't even want to speculate or issue a match of the year watch for that. Like the, we know what it is. Where are you at temperature wise? It's unrealistic to, for me, even for as much as I like him to vote him number one, it's got to go on an AEW guy. But where are you at with Yoshioka as a Flair Fest candidate? Honestly, by each passing day, he becomes more and more of a stronger case. But yeah, you kind of have to go. Fez Flair is going to be interesting this year <laughs> because, like, up until September, the case was for CM Punk. And I, and I and Mike, I still might vote CM Punk number one. Yeah, like that's the thing. Uh, but you look at Yoshioka, you look at the work he's done, you look at how he's drawn. I think that you you take the outside the field outside of AEW. I'd put his case up there with a lot of others. I mean, he is a positive business draw. The company has drawn year over year, not only in small buildings but in the big shows with him on top. An objective and growth as soon as he was made world champion. Objective growth, like you like you can immediately point like, oh, this is when he was champion because business is going up. And then you have the fact that you have. The great tag team work with Diet starting off the year. And then you had one of what I think is will go down as one of the best King of Gate runs in history. And then you have what he's done as champion. So who are your candidates this year? It's gonna be Punk, Mox, and I, and I think Mox gonna Mox is gonna run run away with it. And I'm not saying he shouldn't. I really like John Moxley, but I feel like I really like him in a world where everybody loves him. And I'm always just a little bit, I'm lower on his in-ring work. I'm really surprised at some people that are considering him for most outstanding because for as enjoyable as he's been, I don't look at him as that sort of wrestler at all. So I, you got I, I think he's the best bad wrestler in a long time, frankly. <laughs> he, he's the first ever vibes wrestler. He wrestles on vibes, not ability. Um, I like that. Um, so, Punk, who is going to get shafted, which I, I, I don't think is fair, um, but people are already forgetting the tremendous impact that he had while he was in AEW. So, Punk, Mox, MJF, is that somebody that people are going to vote for? I, I think people would, but I don't think he's a good candidate for this category. I mean, I would say Roman Reigns over MJF every day of the week. In this and particular I, and one. I am I am so out on that. I am if, if Reigns gets even twenty five percent of the Hall of Fame vote, I'm going to be so irate. I still don't. I, I I don't get it. I mean, any but by the way that pro wrestling companies should be managed. I'm not saying by the way that that company is because they're they're you know all about their business to business uh, money moves, which I get. But I I I don't see I don't see proof that Reigns matters as the top star. I think it could be the Miz or it could be a Paul brother or it could be anybody else. And I, I think they'd be okay. And that is not only a hall of fame argument where, you know, I don't believe anybody 
that ha- has done the bulk of their work in WWE from February of 2014 onwards when the network launched. I don't think any of those guys are Hall of Famers. Not Reigns, not Rollins. I'm not there with Mox yet. It'll, it'll take me a long time to get there with Mox. Uh, I, that's interesting you say Reigns because I really don't look at him as a Flair Thez guy. I feel like he was hotter last year than he was this year. Well, there has to be a WWE candidate. Okay, that's fair. It, yeah. You're, okay, fair enough. I, I I should have saved my breath. You're right. Um, So you got those three guys in AEW. You've got Reigns. You've got Osprey, who I think will do very well and should do very well. I don't... I mean, Jay White was their champion, or I, I guess has been their champion for most of the year, but I don't feel like Jay White is that hot. I feel like if I was going to make a top three, and I... And, you would know better than me, but I don't think there's a big name in Mexico this year. Yeah, Mexico is like in this weird spot right now. <laughs> like, <That's> <laughs> as it has been for every year ever in the context of Lucha Libre. <laughs> but like, yeah, I I guess Hio Del Vikingo would be the person or Phoenix if you're just being lazy. But uh, yeah, I think it's those two. But because like CML, there's CML is like, where WWE wants to be, where no one's really a star. So, like, uh, like I feel like we are, like, generations away, even though it was, like, 20 years from, like, Mexico's, like, peak Arena Mexico stuff, you know? Who like, headlined Triple Mania this year? It was the uh, Viano versus Penta mass match. This It was the end of the uh, Losers right. Advance Tournament. That's right. Okay, so so not there. I mean, I, I like Pentagon, but he's not a Flair Thez no, guy. Um no. So I think if I was going to make a top three right now, I'd probably go Punk, Osprey, Yoshioka. Yeah, I think that's defensible. I think it's entirely defensible. I think I would probably probably would go. Uh, it, it's hard because like entering Yoshioka in this conversation, you have to do it with caveats, right? Because of the fact that Dragon Gate will never be a number one company. It's just not going to. It's just not built that way. But when you talk about these awards things, you either have to acknowledge like most valuable draw for a company or most valuable in the industry. And if you're talking about for a company, then yeah, Yoshioka arguably is top three. If we're if we're talking like from like a wider state, if if we really pull back the camera, then it gets hard to, to put Yoshioka in that conversation. But that that that's that's not that's no fault of his own. That's the fault of the awards. Who are the stardom fans going to get behind? Siri. And where? And what's your what's your temperature check there? Is that somebody wor- worthy of yeah. being? Okay, all right. Yeah, no, no, no. She would be on my top five. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Yeah, no, no, nobody from DDT. Uh, I, I mean, that I, I don't ho- think I, I don't think you can with how bad DDT business is. No, I was just looking I, again. I was looking at some Cork numbers today, and I, I love. Kazusada Higuchi, I'm so glad they gave him the ball and uh, let him run with it. But he defended the KOD title on October 12th in Cork, and it was him versus Shinya Aoki, which you can say, okay, Shinya Aoki. But that show drew 419 in Corican. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I mean, Shinya Aoki should be drawing that by himself. I mean, he is a MMA legend, you know? Yeah, they did. They did seven hundred one for Higuchi versus Yukio Sakaguchi, which is a match that I have bookmarked that I need to go back and watch. But so nobody from DDT. Uh, 
if I could vote all Japan's Corka numbers in for Flair Thez, I would, <laughs> but I don't think Dave is going to accept that. And if you're voting for Kiyomiya, please reconsider. Please get fucked with that opinion. I just, ah, oh, man. <laughs> I, I, I just like look at if someone's putting forth the argument for Kaito Kiyomiya at this point. Like oh, after those big houses he drew, Mike. Yeah, I know, man. Buddy, I am well aware of that. Should we finish up this cork? <laughs> Let's talk about this main event. Yeah, three-way six-man tag team match. This was traditional style, so we will they'll wrestle until one team has not suffered a fall. The two team the three teams were Natural Vibes, KZ, Big Boss, Shimizu, Jackie, Funky, Kame, Gold Class, Kodaman, or Benkei, Minorita, Z, Brad, Shun, Skywalker, BB, Hulk, and Hio. Well, Shun scored all the falls in this match. He first eliminated Natural Vibes when he pinned Kame in 19 minutes and 45 seconds with the Moonsault knee drop, and then figured, and then followed that up soon after with the SSW on Minorita. Zebrats won the match, and then immediately Shun Skywalker gave a dissertation about how there's only really only one unit in Dragon Gate, and that Zebrats and all the other ones are just fools, which brought out Yamato with the stuff that we talked about earlier. I think it's really important to note Skywalker pinned Kame with the double knee moonsault and then went to pin Minorita with the same move and Minorita kicked out and Shun had to give him the SSW for the win. There is momentum with Minorita right now in a way that, you know, he's like we've talked about over the last month, you know, he's been involved in big matches for the entire year, but now it's feeling like he is the one stealing the show in some of these big matches. And I wrote this in my review. I'll reemphasize it here. I really hope they do Diamante versus Minorita at one of the December Corkin shows. Yeah, it, it's something where Gold Class for it, piecing together and doing a super cut of Gold Class audio with us would be such a trip. Oh my God. <laughs> because like Minorita feels much more important to the fabric of Gold Class than Minora at this point. Even though Minora is a person with all the signs in the crowd and everything like this, Minorita is the fabric. And he he was the glue of this match. Like this match became about Minorita, and it was phenomenal stuff. I had to go back and look. This was my favorite match in this company since uh, the Dangerous Gate main event. I was five. I was four and a half stars on this. This was phenomenal. This was like returning to tradition in the way that it's like, all right, we have six matches that are going to go under ten minutes. We're going to move things along here, and that's because we want to give this main event nearly a half an hour. And it was fantastic. It was magical. Yeah, this was my favorite match of the week. This was better than anything on Gate of Destiny. I was at four and a half as well. And that point you made about Minora Minorita is interesting because I, I guess I I feel like I, I almost have to reemphasize my support for Minora. You know, I, I still think he is, given how young he is, a blue chip prospect, I still think he's a former Dreamgate champion. The way they have handled him post-Kobe World is the best thing they could do. Mike, we have not spent a second of extended conversation talking about Menorah since August 1st, and that's the way it should be, and that's the way it should be until the calendar flips over. Then we can try again. We can push him again as a singles. We can push him and Minorita as a tag team, go for the Twin Gate belts if you want. But he has been so out of sight, out of mind, and it has led to Ben K coming in and Ben K thriving, and it has led to Minorita stepping up and him thriving. And by the time they're ready to push Minora again, 
all of his sins are going to be washed away and all three of these guys are going to come out in a better spot. Yeah, and, and that's the big thing about Menorah that I think we really should underline that this is not a company that like they try with Menorah, that's it for him. They'll they'll come back and they're gonna come back soon. It's just, hey, maybe next time when you like try to super push the young guy, you actually put him in an angle that the crowd receives properly and not reject outright. I mean he's too talented to ignore for too long, but this is a, I, I, I love the way they have handled him. He has been such an afterthought and that is the way that it should be given the frustrations that were directed at him from you, me and from everybody else this summer. This has been great. Minorita was tremendous here. Uh, Shun Skywalker is the best wrestler in the world, not named Will Ospreay right now. Diamante was great. There was just a ton of stuff to like here. This was a classic Dragon Gate main event, four and a half stars from me. Yeah, Diamante doing a topes in this, like... Oh, my God. A a proper luchador tope. That was tremendous. Yeah, yeah. You don't get to see that a lot of Diamante, but hey, if you have Benkei and Shimizu across the ring from you, you you, you probably feel okay doing that dive there. It just was something that, like, in the way that the great three- and four-way matches are, they find a way to weave everything in. I mean... You start off with Kota Minora and Shun Skywalker immediately going to masquerade stuff. The crowd immediately bit onto it, and from there, it's off the races for the next 23 minutes. Just tremendous stuff, and exactly when you announced this kind of match, this we, we went through a period from like 2017 to like 2019 where they killed the three-way match. It felt like every big show had a three-way match. They let it breathe for a while, they, they they bring it back every once in a while now. And they pick the right time here to have a true-to-form Dragon System classic three-way match. Really good stuff. You know, I, I think throughout this review, you know, you and I both hit on the same points. Not a lot of great matches. You and I both love the semi-main event and the main event. Overall, this is a very fun Corkin show. Absolutely. And that's not Dragon Gate's only appearance in Corkin this week. By the time you all have listened to this, most likely Wrestle Universe p- presents... Global Dream it is the Noah Cross Dragon Gate special show happening in Corken Hall. It is a 6.30 local time start. And, okay, so let's just run down this card real quick. We've been uh, – I, I feel like that the company line, we, we've done a pretty good job of making sure that we've gotten that point across. Let, let, let's run down the card, and we can start getting into it. Please. All right. The listed opener, and this is all from the Russell Universe website because they do not post a full card on their social media for whatever reason. The listed opener is Madoka Kakuda, Ryu Fuda, Mochizuki Jr. versus, and I apologize, some of this is auto-translated, so if a name is wrong for a Noah guy, I apologize, Yoshiki Inamura, Yatsutaka Yano, and Kai Fujimura. Uh, let's. Uh, are we doing individual thoughts? Oh, I, I was pausing in case you want to jump in there. I can continue. No, no, no. no. Let's let's do it this way. I really like Inamora. It is a shame he wrestles for Pro Wrestling Noah, where his career will go nowhere. But Inamora and Kakuta is going to be the combination to watch here. I guess I'm just thinking about this now. You you probably haven't seen most of these guys wrestle before, have you? Yeah, I mean, whenever I would dive in for Noah stuff, it would be based around Dragon Gate guys. So not a lot of them would be going up against, like, Mochi or whenever people would show up. Okay, I'll, I'll say this. The opening match on this show is my second most anticipated match of the evening. I think this opener could be a lot of fun. 
Match two is a staggered five-way elimination tag match. They said they wanted to make it feel Dragon Gate-like case. Look, I'm going to read off the pairings here, and we can determine how Dragon Gate-like this feels like. It is Gold Class, Minorita and Binke versus Eita and Super Crazy, a pair of Zamal de Hapon. Manabu Soya and Ishin versus Asuma Mochizuki and Yazushi Kanda, the original pairing of M2K, versus Muhammad Yone and Big Boss Shimizuna, and what I'm going to call Dance Dance Revolution, those two. Does this have a Dragon Gate flavor to it whatsoever, Case? Yone and Shimizu together does, and other than that, no, it does not. Yeah, like the throwaway pair of the two goofy big guys is your Dragon Gate flavor, really. Like... I, I, I don't get why Ishin should be teaming with a me- random member of Congo, right? Soya's in Congo, right? I I don't know. Yeah, I, I, just, hold on. I'll, I just realized something about this show. What's look up? at this look at this full card. Yeah. Is Masaki Mochizuki not on this show? I don't think he's booked. This is the <laughs> I fucking hate this show. I, I don't this think is Masaki. the this is such a waste of time. Masaki Mozuzuki, former GHC heavyweight tag team and national heavyweight champion, is not on this show. I realized that because I was looking at this and I was like, God, th- like, Eito is like a giant star, is pushed heavily in both promotions, and the best they can do is a five-way tag team match. And I love, su- like, no disrespect to Super Crazy, but he's teaming with Super Crazy on this show. This almost feels like a show where, like, Eito should main event. The main event of this show should be Eita versus Masaki Mochizuki. Why is Mochi not on this? Buddy, I, I, I wish I could answer. There's a lot of questions on this show that I can't necessarily answer. Uh, match three, I would say, has more Dragon Gate flavor, as it's Ryo Saito and Ginki Horiguchi, Maraha Isapa, tag-teaming with their old friend, Osawa Rongai, versus KZ, Jackie Funky Kamei, and Yohei. KZ and Yohei were not uh, dojo mates but they are of the same dojo generation so everybody that has ever paid attention to dragon gate should know long before the nozawa rumor started that nozawa's friends with most of this roster he's been friends with saito and genki for a very long time that shouldn't have industry sweeping business ramifications attached to it so please be wary when reading reports about this show. Yeah, I, I, I'll i just state any show, and like, I assume that Nozawa's probably the point, man. Probably. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming this is Nozawa's project. I mean, You're right. Yeah. I, do, no, do you. This has, this has Tokyo Carnival vibes. Well, what is the, between you and I and the person we talked about this with this morning, what's the prevailing theory as to why this show is happening in the first place? Oh, it's a bot. That, that Dragon Gate is getting paid to do this show. Right. And if you watch Dragon Gate shows over the last few weeks, even without that prevailing theory, which, again, theory, I want to make that patently clear what we're talking about. Is this is just theories. If you look at how they've, like, you would think that if this was something that Dragon Gate was really into, they would promote it. They did more promoting the Ryukyu Dragon Show the next day in Shinjuku face than they did promoting this next show two days later they did more they did more than that on the show that was in the same building 48 hours beforehand they did more to promote that one than this and that should tell you a whole lot yeah this has been something that's been pushed really heavily on noah social media it has not been pushed heavily at all on Gate social media and 
Yeah, I you know, I, again, it's a theory, but my belief is Dragon Gate is getting paid to do this, and that Nozawa's running point on this show. Which that you know, uh, those are are both rumors, but both things that I I, I think there's validity to. Pass the smell test at the very least. Do I think like, Nozawa rebook King of Gate on the fly? No, I don't. No, but do I no. think he do I think he's running ship on this one? Absolutely. And just to be clear, he should be running ship on this one. He is the person that like kind of ran like was he a voice in the room maybe would they have this power that was put forth because someone doesn't vet sources no no but this i i, I would be surprised if i heard no actually kendo kashin this was all kendo kashins no that just looking at this this feels like something that nosawa would put together why is masaki mochizuki not on this show He's a former Tokyo, I forgot what they, what they call it, Tokyo heavyweight champion for like three years for uh, Nosawa Bombay shows. Like, Is there like a 0-1 date that he's, what the fuck? I don't like, sorry to swear, but that is the dumbest thing. Yeah, I, I, I'm still wondering why, because I've looked at, this is on their side, I'm looking at Puro Love right now for this. Yeah, I do not see Misaki Mochizuki book for this. Again, I thought it was dumb that Ato was just in like a a random tag match, but to not have like I just don't get it. But that's I mean, that's my beef with this show, and I know we're only halfway through the car, but I guess if you're wondering why we're as down on this as we are, for me specifically, and I don't know where Mike stands on this, if you go back to August when Noah did a run-in on the Osaka number two show that Drangate was running, I think the uh, the date was August 14th, I think. The show was promoted as a joint show between Noah Juniors and Dragon Gate. And I got super annoyed at the idea that it was a Noah Jr. show with Dragon Gate guys coming down to their level. The match that we'll talk about next is Yamato versus Seki Yoshioka. And I am, I, I that match should be great. But Case, I am, you, you skipped over three matches. Oh, far, right, well, we'll circle back. <laughs> All right, it's, it's going to be fine. Yeah, um, it's fine. I, that match should be great. Yoshioka is a great wrestler. Yamato is Yamato. I do not like the fact that that match is happening. I think it is beneath Yamato. I think it's a bad look for Drangi to have him wrestle a measly Noah Jr. That has been my issue with this from the start. Now you have this main event. Sorry, we're going to bounce around a little bit of Kano and Minora versus Yoshioka and Kiyomiya, which to me, and again, I don't know this to be fact, but to me, that was Noah going, oh shit, nobody bought tickets to this show. We have to book something that people are going to come to. And that was the the conclusion they came to. And I don't even know if that is going to sell tickets. Yeah, so it, 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 it it's weird vibes across. So we have a Konamawa Chikawa versus X match. Maybe that's Mochi. Maybe I, that, I, that'll, that'll be the dumbest fucking place to put him there. You already cussed, so I'm just going to unload. I, I hope it's Kojima so we can finally pay off Oh, yeah. What we, we were talking about off. with Jay over the summer. Oh, absolutely. They got to. Uh, the other match, uh, Azushi Katoge, uh, GHC Junior Heavyweight Champion Dante Leon, and Punch Tomonaga versus Natural Vibes, UT, Jason Lee, Strong Machine, Jay. What are we doing here? Uh, match That's seven. not even fun because Katoge versus UT and Jason could be pretty fun. Yeah. Um, I think Dante Leon's very nice. I don't. I don't know about him on this show. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yamato versus Seki Yoshioka, as you mentioned. Does that, Sky... oh, hold on. Does that, does Yamato versus Yoshioka, does that annoy you as much as it does me? 
Oh, uh, I I completely believe that if this was supposed to be the headlining match, they completely misread this entirely. And if it was supposed to be Noah Juniors versus Dragon Gate, like that was presented, then it was a completely pointless main event to begin with. Like, I'm sorry. Like, if you are a if you're like a native Yamato fan, other than the chance of getting to see Yamato for like the third straight day in your town, I don't see how. There's anything about a match of Seki Oshioka to draw you to it. Like if it was like Yamato versus Ironhead, there's a lot there for yeah, Yamato. So that's versus... a match I would watch. Yeah, Yamato versus I versus Fujita. There's something there. At this there's nothing with Seki Oshioka. Fine wrestler, but just no. He's and, just and... A, a junior that wrestles a Dragon Gate style, but isn't. Yeah. And I and I say this as somebody that likes Yoshioka, but just isn't good enough to be in Dragon Gate. Yeah. So it's just like. Then you get down to Shun Skywalker and Tadasuke versus Amikisa and Takuma Fujiwara, and it's just like, okay, at least I I I I'm okay with Tadasuke versus Fujiwara because I know Fujiwara is excellent and it'll be fine. Uh, this is my most anticipated match on the show, just because I like this pairing of guys. You know, it's the former How and Fujiwara. Uh, Tadasuke's solid enough. Shun is Shun. Uh, this kind of feels in the ballpark of what the spirit of this show should be i like right, this match yeah, yeah like it, if it was something where you had a little bit more of the cross-pollination like that i would totally be a bore on this but then thinking you also look at the show and you could tell that like when things were added in on it also because like you, you're adding in the noah original like young guys you're not adding in the people you've based your promotion over around over the last two and a half years the two matches that were announced late were the five-way tag and the main event, and both of those have Noah heavyweights on it, and that leads me to believe that they were not originally booked. And if they were, the card still sucks, so I'm still annoyed by it. Yep, and the last match, which was the first match announced, I think, was uh, Dragon Kid Alejandro, uh, or Alehe, uh, Dragon Daya Ninja Mac Extreme Tiger versus BB Hulk Hio Diamante. Hajime O'Hara and Hiroki. Yeah, I yeah. I don't know. Uh, I hope Ninja Mac has a good night. That is one that could really go one way or the other. And I am assuming this is a, a vehicle to get Alejandro a big fall and to put him over to some degree because the entire like the build of the show was kind of based around him. Yeah, yeah. The yeah, like that, that was like the weird thing. Like he showed up and went at Kobe Sambo. And yeah, it kind of it kind of made Dranga guys look bad when doing it. Yeah, yeah, and nothing else. That was the last like build for this show was Alejandro winning that. Oh boy! All right, let's talk about something good, Case. Well, let's talk about the, let's let's reemphasize the main event of this show is Kiyomiya and Yoshioka, the two champions versus Kano and Kota Minora. Like we were talking about at the top of the show, the Drangit Korkin on Wednesday. Did 1178. The Noah show that was headlined by Tim Thatcher versus Kiyomiya did 789. Most attended Noah show in Corkin this year. Give me over under 799.5 fans. Under. Easy under. Uh, and here's why. Uh, Counting on the Dragon Gate fans to show up is a good idea, but you're also scheduling this 48 hours after a Dragon Gate show. So I, I 
I, I get the thought process, and I do think there will be people who are like, hey, two shows in three days, sick. Let's go do it. Friday night show, even better. I just don't think you could like transpose the entire Corkin audience over there. And yeah, like you look at like what what's promoted and what drew there for Noah, and you suddenly like have a lot less of those stars that they were banking on. So you have like the Noah originals there, and I have no confidence in them drawing eight hundred people. No. I'm going to go with 830 fans. Okay. No, I, I, I think it's completely rational. I just think thinking that there's no way that, do you think the show can, is there a universe that the show breaks a thousand? No. Is there a I universe that the show it, breaks 900? It, I, I don't think so. I mean, it, honestly, this is an interesting scenario. If the show breaks a thousand fans, that seems like a really bad look for Noah, doesn't it? Oh yeah. Cause the, because the, that pretty much tells, and, and it's something that, we will probably be able to notice people in the crowd because they would have been at Korokin two days before. So I'm looking at Masaki Mochizuki's Twitter right now. What, uh, what's he up to? I know he's been posting a lot more of his cute dog. He's tweeting about this show, but doesn't say anything about like, oh, I wish I could be there, but I'm working like a hard hit show. Or I just... Tradition. I Dude, yeah. Is- I just don't think he's booked on this show. That is so weird. Maybe while he's walking his cute dog, he might stop by and see what his son's up to. It looks like he's going to be there, but he's not going to wrestle? I don't know. That's insane. I, 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 I'll be honest. I, I got distracted by the Mochizuki dog. I, I don't blame you. All right, let's, let's, let's fantasy book real quick before we go. All right, so uh, as we mentioned up top, uh, uh, reporting from the flagship wrestling podcast, Patreon, has Dragon Gate doing their first show in the United States in over eight years at WrestleMania Week in 2023 in, in Los Angeles. Case and I, for well over two years, have, have, been, have basically have put out one statement. Let us book this. So this is what we're going to do for uh, Mass Republic, whoever. Uh, we're going to supply you with two card ideas. We we had some framework. We had some rules about this that we we stuck with. You know, keep this. I, I mean, we can't just go book uh, Heel de Santo in a mass match. Like this isn't this that kind of show. That we we don't run that kind of ship around here. But we had rules. We're doing five matches. Four of the matches had to be exclusively Dragon Gate. One of the ones you can make it like a Mania match and bring in people from across the world. I had a lot of fun with this case. I, my mind went to the races. Uh, I feel pretty good about my five. Uh, how, how did you like our little game? I, I had a lot of fun with this too. I, I told Mike, let's do five matches, assuming that it is a joint show with Noah again, where you're going to get Noah to bring their own guys to the table. And we'll, we'll go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, to be clear, different kind of arrangement here to my belief. And I have checked and haven't been told yes or no, but uh, this this is probably because Mass Republic did all the visas. I, I Again, I don't know for sure, but that seems like a safe bet to me as well. Um, so I said, let's do five matches. My goal here, I am putting forth what I think would most get over with what the American audiences would want, with also booking what I want to see. Yeah, I went a little uh, Mania Showcase, a little DGUSA, and then also... You know what I think will be a good show? What pairings that I, I think would be realistic and I think would work well with the vibe I'm trying to throw down here. 
You want me to go first? Yeah. Uh, do you want to read all five and I'll read my five? Yeah. Yeah. I'll go opening match to main event, opening the show, Masaki Mochizuki, Mochizuki Jr., and Susumu Mochizuki against KZ, Big Boss, Shimizu, and UT. We're going to get some familiar faces. We're going to get a youngster in there. We're going to get natural vibes dancing. People are going to have a lot of fun. Match number two, it's WrestleMania weekend. All caps, Ishin versus Josh Alexander. And then after that, I want Jason Lee and Jackie Funky Kamei representing the Kung Fu Masters against Minora and Minorita. Semi-main event, Diamante versus Takuma Fujiwara. Main event, Shun Skywalker, SP Kento, and Hyo versus D-Courage. I like the bold all-caps Ishin versus Josh Alexander. That was not the way I thought you were going to go when you said one match could have internationals in it. I really wanted to see Josh Alexander wrestle Yamato or Shun when they were in America, and for a variety of reasons, it didn't work out. Uh, but I really want to see Josh Alexander wrestle a Dragon Gate guy. I think that would be really good because Josh, although it, you don't think of Josh Alexander as meshing with that style, I think he has a very similar mindset to most Dragon Gate wrestlers. Yeah, no, I could absolutely see that. Now that you put down that match, I'm like, no, that makes total sense. And I can see Ishan being someone that, I mean, he is thicker when you think about Dragon Gate guys, but he is at a, the nice size for Alexander to look strong with, but he could still pack a punch. Yeah, so. Alexander's a short dude, too. I mean, there's, yeah, yeah that, that's, I'm, I like that. I, I bounced around a few names for Josh to hypothetically wrestle, and I landed on Ishan, and I'm pretty happy about that. I, I like your five. I like your five. All right. So my opener, we're going to start things off the way you start off a Dragon Gate show. We have an Atomico opening this up. Eight-man tag, Natural Vise versus Zebrats, KZ, JFK, uh, Jason Lee, and Big Boss Shimizu versus SBK, Shun Skywalker, Hyo, and BB Hulk. My idea with this one opener is you get the dance out in front of everyone. And there's other people from Natural Vibes here. Don't worry. They're not getting left out here. We're not just doing a four-person dance. And you have Hulk there as the identifiable person saying, hey, I remember Dragon Gate BB Hulk. Wow, he's different now. And he's teaming with all these young assholes too. And we've seen how natural vibes and Ari and Zebrats work. And I think that makes a fun opener. I am running back one of Case's matches. Special singles match, Takuma Fujiwara versus Diamante. No elaboration needed there. I'm. Uh, you could call me Gabe a little bit because I'm calling this next match, Case. Dragon Gate versus the world. Super. We have Strong Machine J, La Estrella, Yamato, and Dragon Kid versus Bandito, Commander, Nick Wayne, and Alex Shelley. My idea here is taking the best from the the the, the Dragon Gate in USA and having like Yamato and Dragon Gate, Dragon Kid again, Dragon Gate people there with the new generation. And then you have Strong Machine J, the breakdance fighter, La Estrella flying, and you have Bandito. That I, I think he, if you have an option here and you give me an opportunity to do a booking like this case, I'm going to try to get a big name in there. So Bandito. that's fair. Semi main event. We're going to go a little old school case because I do have Mochizuki, Mochizuki and Mochizuki, but they're going up against. And I wanted this to kind of have the vibe of names everyone recognized and people that will be there. And this will be just a pairing that we're going to have to like, open up the, the pocketbook a little bit because we're going to negotiate with one of these people if he wants to do this date, but it's Ata, Ultimo Dragon, and Naruki Doi. We're going to talk to Doi about this. I think he'll be up for it. We'll make sure he can go play Pebble Beach a little bit. We'll just get him tickets to like 
the raw on Monday or SmackDown because I think that's the draw for Doya to come back to America is to watch like a bad American wrestling show. Right, yeah, but I, I, I think it's pretty clear why I'm trying to do that semi-main event. And then the main event, the tradition is reborn. D-Courage versus Gold Class. D-Courage, if these shows happen, expect a D-Courage six-man tag. And I don't know anything. I just know how seriously Drangate is taking D-Courage right now. That seems like the trio that they would want to build this weekend around. Yeah, like, and they're going to have to do a six-man up top. And I feel like... Gold class, like I, I, I thought a little bit, case about three thirty one oh six, but that do fixer was not, was out of their heel phase. Blood generation, uh, blood generation, you know, was heel was quickly moving out of it at the same time, so it was not necessarily like pure face. Our Teneco versus Rudo happening in the main event there. I like having a tweener team with them there, and Minorita needs to go run, and I want him. I want to see. Madoka Kakuda chase Menorita around whatever venue they're running. Like if it's a conference room, go over to WrestleCon. I won't go see them do all the laps. Yeah, I think that's a really fun match. I think Menorita is somebody that absolutely has to be involved as well. Uh, my only takeaway uh, from your card is I wanted to book Ata, and I think Ata needs to be involved, but. I didn't want to like lump him into anything that he's not currently involved with. And so I left him off, but let's revisit this in the spring. Hopefully Ata has a real unit by then. And then I would, I would like to include him. Yeah. Like the, that's the thing about this. And this, it's a fun exercise. I, that I, I feel like you get a respect for. I originally had Ultimo in that uh, DG versus the world. And I moved him out of that. Cause I was like, no, we don't really need to do that. I put strong machine J in this. But Ata is such a hard piece to figure in at the current time. It's just you kind of have to lump them in. So I picked like two stars that don't have units. Yeah, and that that works for me. I think that'd be a very good card. Well, we both have Diamante versus Fujiwara. And uh, I was saying in the Discord, you know, for as much as it scares me to have extra eyeballs on Diamante, he seems like the crucial part of these shows, whether it's him in a singles match or him in a six-man tag. Yeah, no, like like you have to have that. And then when you have them out here, you kind of want to do Fujiwara. You want to run back that match. They want to run back that match. Why not do it in front of the American crowd? Of course. Absolutely. Well, I think that's it for us this week for case uh for us case uh just a thanks to everyone for bearing with us as we kind of changed things around with Gate of Destiny. We'll be back to our usual Tuesday schedule, at least next week with the holidays and their their schedule. You will be informed one way or the other what the podcast schedule will be going through the holiday. Yes, but uh, back on Tuesday with a Noah Dragon Gate Global Dream review. And the sad thing is, we I don't think we could like sandwich that with that dark match because it looks like that dark match is not going to air. If it does, we'll talk about it. But no, it doesn't. It doesn't look good for that dark match right now. Uh, well, we're going to need to like find like one like happy thing to have with this like we're gonna have a whole lot of vegetables case i want at least one little sweet at the end of it for but, sure yeah we'll figure that out though but if you want to follow the show the best way to do that is on twitter at open voice gate cases at underscore in your case i'm at fujiheya if you would like to support the show click the link in the show notes it'll take you to our redcircle.com landing site sponsor this podcast and uh, you could use promo code vow65 at hellofresh for 65 percent off plus free shipping, and throw us a rating and review on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you 
get your podcast. It will help us out greatly. That's going to do it. We'll talk to you again next week. Take care. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, kids, do you like wrestling? Well, we like wrestling, too. We are Shake Them Ropes here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Myself and Chris Novembrino kind of doing a lazy river of wrestling criticism, going through the news and whatever happened in stateside television wrestling. And also, you know what? Sometimes we just like to watch old stuff and talk about that, too. Love for you to give us a listen. If you haven't already, we are Shake Them Ropes here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network.